0: Sometimes, reality is a lot stranger than fiction. And this is, I think, one of those times. Let's just go back a little bit to what happened on the 13th of December. 13th of December, you'll remember, is a very special day and a sad day in the history of India's parliament. That was when gunmen attacked parliament, killed, I think, about seven people. The five gunmen themselves were killed. MPs were trapped inside the house as bullets rained all over. Now, the 13th, therefore, is an important day for us. And this year, on the 13th of December, people jumped from the gallery into the floor of Parliament, carrying canister, canisters for gas, which they then released. Parliamentarians were terrified initially because they thought it might be poison gas, tear gas. As it turned out, fortunately for everyone, it was just coloured gas. And the people who jumped down in it invaded Parliament we're doing it, I think, just to make a point, not to assassinate anyone or cause any serious trouble. Nevertheless, it was a terrible, terrible breach of security. For it to happen on that day was particularly inexcusable. So what do you suppose would happen next? There would be an investigation, right? But it began well, they did an investigation. They discovered the, these people who'd got into parliament had actually had their chits signed and their parliament passes issued by a BJP MP, okay? Now, the next step should surely be for the BJP MP to be suspended or made to answer some questions and for the Home Minister to come to the House and explain how this terrible breach of security had been allowed to happen. That's reasonable, right? Maybe but it's not what happened. What happened was the actual opposite. As MPs complained and said, either you suspend this guy or you explain to us how something this terrible was allowed to happen. Both presiding officers, the chairman of the Rajya Sabha and the speaker of the Lok Sabha, decided the thing to do was not to suspend the MP who allowed these guys to come in, but to suspend the MPs who were complaining. So I think altogether, the figure keeps changing, opposition MPs were suspended. They were suspended for demanding an explanation from the Home Minister, for demanding to know how these people had been allowed to come into Parliament, for asking for some kind of explanation of the security breach no explanation to forthcoming nobody who was from the bjp including the guy who allowed them in was suspended but two-thirds of the opposition was suspended slightly bizarre no if you were to write a streaming show not that you could because streaming shows about politics are not allowed these days or a movie and put in a sequence like this nobody would make it the director would say this is un likely to have ever happened. This is implausible, there is no suspension of disbelief, large enough to explain this, be more realistic, get real. And yet, these days in India, this is what happened. Now, you can say, and I'm going to be fair to the presiding officers of both houses, that the MPs were obstructing parliament. They had rushed into the well of the House, they didn't get up and ask measured questions and allow debate to take place, possibly because measured questions were not being answered. But yes, they were definitely in the well of the house. However, you need to keep in mind that for MPs to rush into the well of the house is not unprecedented in India. It happens all the time. The way presiding officers usually cope with it is to adjourn the house and then hope that by the time it reconvenes, some order has been restored. They do suspend members of parliament, but they suspend them rarely and they suspend them for serious breaches. Nobody ever in the history of Indian democracy has suspended so many MPs at one go. In fact, I'd be hard-pressed to think of any country with a parliamentary form of government where something like this has happened. Now, the BJP will claim and its supporters in social media have claimed that the opposition MPs were doing the wrong thing by not maintaining the dignity of parliament. And yes, they're right to that extent if you think that Parliament should be the kind of place where people just get up and ask nice questions from the benches. But here's the problem. The BJP doesn't believe this. When UPA2 was in office, the BJP routinely disrupted Parliament. It got to the extent that when the Prime Minister got up to introduce his cabinet members, the BJP hooted him down. So, so much for respect for the dignity of Parliament. Nor was the BJP at all apologetic about this. Sushma Swaraj, who was then leader of the opposition in the Lok Sabha, asked about this, said obstruction of parliament is a legitimate form of democracy, a legitimate form of protest. The leader of the opposition in the Rajya Sabha at that stage was Arun Jaitlin. Asked about it, he said it's perfectly legitimate to obstruct the business of parliament if there are questions you want asked and those questions are not being answered by the government which frankly is a pretty good description of what happened last week. No explanations were forthcoming. The questions were not being asked or answered. So yes, of course, they had a right to do what they did, at least according to the Arun Jaitley logic. Arun Jaitley the following year repeated this again and said yes, because they continued to disrupt Parliament, the BJP had a democratic right to obstruct the functioning of Parliament. Now, my own view, for what it's worth, is that Mrs Swaraj and Mr Jaitley were wrong. I don't think opposition should disrupt parliament. I think they should get on with it. But these are not my words. These are not my views. These are the views of the BJP. This is the same BJP that's now saying there's one law for the BJP when it is in opposition and one law for everybody else when they are in opposition because they can't do any obstructing. They can't do any disrupting. That's a right reserved to the BJP. Unbelievable? Yeah. Incredible? Yeah. So Two questions. One, why is the BJP doing it? And you know, you can come back to me and say it's not the BJP that's doing it. It's the presiding officers and they're above political parties. But honestly, let's not insult each other's intelligence. Why is the BJP doing it? Well, the short answer, and it's the answer to every question asked about Narendra Modi these days, is that the government is doing it because it can. Who is going to do anything? Who is going to stop the government? Mr. Modi does what he likes because he can do what he likes. Nobody can really stop him. It's got worse after the last round of assembly elections because the BJP now believes it's certain to be elected again at the next general election. And frankly, they're probably right. They probably will come back to power for another five years. They feel, therefore, that the people of India behind them, with a parliamentary majority assured, they don't really have to take any of this nonsense from the opposition. They're not answerable to the opposition. Yes, okay, there was a security breach. They'll figure out what it was. Who the hell are the opposition to ask them for explanations? They have no locus standi. And if they keep at it, we just throw them out of parliament. Sounds arrogant, sounds unbelievable. No, this is the Indian reality. This is what the BJP done. And it's got away with it. Which is the second question. Why has the BJP got away with it? I know that political circles are up in an uproar. I know there are angry newspaper editorials, including one in the print. But it really doesn't make a difference. The public at large are not outraged. They don't think something terrible has happened. Why is that? Again, two reasons. One is that the public does not have a high opinion of parliamentary proceedings. Ever since parliamentary proceedings were televised, I think many ordinary people are horrified by the shouting and the screaming and the squabbling that goes on in Parliament. They don't have much respect for that. As far as they're concerned, anything that shuts up people in Parliament is not such a bad thing. So no, there isn't going to be much sympathy for the opposition or any feeling against the suspensions. But there is a second reason, and that I think is the most important reason. Indians love democracy. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. But we love democracy in the sense that we love elections. We love having the power to vote out governments. We love having people come to us and ask for our votes. We love getting goodies before elections. Electoral democracy is something that Indians love, respect, value and cherish. But, you know, there are two parts to democracy. Electoral democracy by itself is worth very little without the institutions of democracy. The institutions of democracy are a legislature that works, a free press, the right to free speech, the judiciary that's fair, government agencies that are not misused, a police force that acts in the interests of the country, not the government in power. These are the institutions of democracy. These are valued everywhere in most democracies. And people accept that unless these work, democracy itself won't work. Well, not in India. I don't think Indians recognize the importance of valuing the institutions of democracy. Whenever you talk about democracy, people say, ah, but look at Mrs. Gandhi, look at the emergency. She was wiped out of the elections because she dared interfere with democracy. Well, yes and no. We romanticize this 1977 election verdict. But if you go back and look at the figures, in 1977, Mrs. Gandhi won every state in the South. She won Assam. She marginally won Maharashtra. She lost only because the Hindi belt voted strongly against her. And why did it vote against her? It voted against her because of Sanjay Gandhi's forced sterilization program, which whipped up anti-Congress sentiment. To say now, as people say, that the vote was against the things that she did, locking up the opposition, destroying parliament, interfering with the judiciary, not allowing a free press to function, is a bit of a stretch. There is no evidence that people voted against any of those things. If there was no sterilization program in North India, who knows what the result of that election would have been. So what do you have? If you have a situation where democracy is defined only in terms of elections, then you have a man like Mr. Modi, who's one of the most astute politicians we've had in a long time, because he's figured out that Indians want electoral democracy, So give them lots of electoral democracy, campaign everywhere, keep your party in electoral mode all the time, hand out welfare measures, freebies just before elections. And people will say India is a flourishing democracy. He knows that people won't look at the institutions of democracy, so he can do pretty much what he wants to those institutions. And that's what we are seeing today. We're saying one institution, parliament, in the state it is, Because frankly, Indians don't care.